with uh, Zach Smith and the College Football Connection. Uh, Partha is is traveling at, at the time of our recording, so it's just going to be me and you today, Zach. Uh, let's get into it. That sounds good. Let's get into it. Um, first and foremost, you know, the Ohio State-Iowa game played out almost exactly as we had, uh, we had discussed on last week's show. Um, Iowa gave us some competition, specifically in the first half. The defense gave us some problems, um, but their offensive ineptitude also showed uh, throughout the first half. And as you predicted, uh, our defense put on a show uh, throughout this game, specifically in the first half. Tommy Eichenberg uh, literally looked like Superman out there. Um, just just an all-around good game. What I really liked was seeing um, the first half to second half adjustments on the offensive side of the ball, uh, too. You're going to face a tough adjustment, uh, tough teams. Um, the great coaches always adjust well at halftime. That was kind of the thing that stood out to me most in this game was, yeah, it was a tough first half, but in the second half, we kind of hit our stride and coasted to a pretty easy one. There's no doubt. I mean, you, you look at that first half and, and it's, it's not even fathomable how bad it was because you know that that half that first half of football for Ohio State offensively would have been bad in any game, right? We would have w- mm-hmm. walked away saying, "God, that was awful." But the fact that they were given the ball that many times on the plus side of the field and and couldn't gain a yard—I mean, you look at it—the the first drive they get an interception, they get it on the twenty-nine yard line, they only gain one yard and have to kick a field goal. Then they get the ball on the twenty-four, and they end up CJ ends up dropping the ball when he gets hit, which it was a big hit. You know, you can kind of understand that that was the fumble return for a touchdown and then the only drive this is what's wild to me i mean they started on the 27 yard line and, and gained four yards the 34 yard line and got stopped on fourth down all in iowa's territory the only mm-hmm. drive they actually looked like an offense was when they started on the normal 25 yard line and had to go 75 <laughs> yards and score and you're like guys that's supposed to be the harder one but they made yeah. all the other drives look hard um it was just cj played probably his worst game as a buck or worst half as a buckeye at least the second half he you know about late in the third quarter, he just he caught fire and he made that that three throw series he had for the one touchdown was maybe three of his finest throws that he's ever made at Ohio State. And it was back to back to back. I mean, the one to Marvin yeah. Harrison Jr. where he threw it, dropped it between three people and a ridiculous circus catch by Marv. But those three throws were made where you sit there and you're like, wow, like if this kid yeah. played like this all the time, he would be a consensus Heisman Trophy winner and a consensus number one overall pick. Definitely, definitely. I mean, that, that that kind of summarizes the game. It just, the curious thing about Iowa continues to be why they have so many challenges. It just seems like it's the same quarterback every year. Like, the offensive line he's, is good, usually, but it's like, it's the same guy that they find and they put in, but pretty much, it's like, never really that good. That kid is, I, I hate talking negative about him, because I feel like I'm making fun yeah. of a handicap kid or something, but like, He's the worst quarterback I've ever seen on film in that game. And he's never been good, but in that game, 
He threw the ball right to Tommy Eichenberg. I still don't know who he was throwing to. He threw yeah. one to Tanner McAllister. I, I have no idea who he's throwing to. It's like he saw Tanner McAllister and he's like, that dude looks cool and just threw it to him. I mean, he's yeah. he's so bad. And, and some of his worst throws weren't even the picks. Like guys, guys are kind of open and he just sails it 10 yards over their head. And you're like, whoa, this is just yeah. really, really bad. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And as you predicted, the defense was great for the defense. Um, specifically, you know, just like on the offensive side of the ball, when you get an opportunity to really dominate an offensive team and you're a dominant team, you have to do that. In past years, we probably wouldn't have seen this dominant of a performance against an overmatched opponent. Um, that was really good to see that when the opportunity presented itself, our defense really showed that, hey, you know, or something to be reckoned with too on this side. Oh, there's no doubt. And they they were <clears throat> it's one of those things where they were going to be good, right? That offense mm-hmm. was so bad they were going to be good, but they they elevated above good. Like they did what they were supposed to do and absolutely I mean it was the most dominant defensive performance I might have ever seen. I mean it, I mean Zach Harrison was a monster, which is so yeah. cool to watch. Like the last two or three weeks because he's he's underperformed in his in- entire career, and that's based on you know expectations, which were were lofty and ridiculous to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was held to the standard that he was going to be the next Chase Young, which is nuts. And, <laughs> but it's it's amazing to see the last two three games. He's really he's starting to flash, and you're starting to watch him like become the player people you know were were almost mad that he wasn't yet. And mm-hmm. and he was outstanding. Uh, JTT and Javante Jean Baptiste were were ridiculous getting after the quarterback. I mean, you hold a team to one conversion on third down out of 13 attempts. I mean, that's just pure dominance. Yeah. And it, w- it was 3.4 yards per pass. I mean, that's, that's insane. It's insanely good. Insanely good. And the offensive st- offense stepped in the second half. And I think Ohio State fans, um, you know, I hate when we get overhyped and they they start telling, saying, Ohio State should be number one. Like, that's usually, uh, <laughs> those seasons usually don't end well. But if you've been watching all of the teams that they say are top tier teams, I think Ohio State has been the most consistently dominant um, every, week in and week out. Um, and this, this past week was kind of that signature, hey, this team might be the best all around team in, in college football right now. They definitely have my vote, and, and this, is a, this is a unique year. Um, just coming off the heels of the 2020 Al- or 2019 LSU, 2020 Alabama, 2021 Georgia, coming off that three-year run where there was very clearly a best team in the country, and then you go this year, and it's like Ohio State definitely gets the vote right now, but it's just there's far more imperfections with this mm-hmm. Ohio State team than there was any of those three teams, which is actually how it's supposed to be. We just got jaded by those three years where like Georgia's defense was just so good it's like I don't think anybody's beating this team you know and Joe Burrow was so good it's like ah no one's beating that team this year there's no one that you look at and you say no one's beating them like everyone is beatable especially when you get a Tennessee Ohio State or a Georgia Bama or Georgia Tennessee like anyone can win those games this year and that's what you want as a fan at least definitely definitely and that and you know you you brought up Joe Burrow and LSU that was a game that um really stood out to me you had you know and we make fun of brian kelly a lot um but as you've mentioned multiple times it doesn't mean he's not a good football coach yeah um and lsu looked um pretty damn good in dominating a mississippi team that that was starting to generate a lot of hype as a as a contender as well yeah there's no doubt i mean you really 
Brian Kelly's always been a great football coach. And, and that's mm. something that people lose sight of because he dances with recruits. He's goofy. He creates a fake accent. And, and I've said forever, I don't think he's a fit there. I think he's going to fail because of recruiting ties. And I'm not backing off of that state sentiment, but like Nick Saban's a, a very stiff white guy too. Like he can't really relate to people, but he's done a great job of hiring a staff. And I think that's kind of has been my reservation on Brian Kelly is no one wants to work for him. Like he got the job at LSU and no one came from Notre Dame. And so I still yeah. stand by the fact that I don't think he's going to have long-term success, but he came in with a pretty talented roster and coached the hell out of them. And, you know, they, were, they weren't great early. He still was developing a culture, but you're watching them now. And it's wild to think about LSU controls their destiny right now when it comes to the yeah. NBC. They're not going to make the playoffs. They have two losses. But yeah. if they beat Bama, they're going to play in Atlanta. And it's, you're sitting here like three weeks ago, they had two losses and you're like, they're done. Discard them. They could still play for the SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to see see that turnaround um, happen in real time. Um, they look like a pretty good football team. We'll see. You know, we'll see. I have my doubts about how good Mississippi actually was, but they had looked really good, and LSU dominated them. Mm-hmm. The other kind of premier matchup here was we lost another unbeaten team uh, in UCLA. Um, I don't know what to make of this Oregon situation because if you watch that game they look like the best team in America and they're the most unstoppable force in college football but then you go back to the Georgia game and how easily Georgia handled them do you think this is just more about how how far behind the Pac-12 is or is Oregon kind of coming on well I I think Oregon's coming on I mean it's a new coach right new new program new offense new defense and and new quarterback and so I, there was a lot, you know, they kind of got the perfect storm, right? You have all this newness, all this new, new scheme, new coaches. And first, you know, first game week as a coaching staff together. First, you know, they're in, they're, they're in a game against Georgia and things aren't going well. That's the first time that coaching staff has ever coached a game together. So, so, so yeah. many things are going on that are just, they're new. Like they, they've never done that. And obviously it was epic failure and they learned from it. I think the Pac-12 is certainly not as good as as people might have thought it was, but, but I don't know. Bo Nix went from a guy that I didn't think could could win anywhere at any level to I mean this kid is unbelievable. I mean he was like eighty eight percent completion percentage versus base defense, blitz defense, you name it. Like that's almost nine out of ten passes completed. That's insane. Yeah. Like eleven yards. Like per literally, game. yeah. The efficiency of that offense, I have oh. not seen anything like that since Joe Burrow was at LSU. Right, and I probably mean, right. It, it's 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 amazing what Bo Nix has developed into after watching how abysmal he was against Georgia. And you look at Oregon, you're like, all right, they got a, their their schedule. I mean, they could end up eleven and one, twelve and one, Pac twelve champs, and honestly, like knocking on the door saying we deserve a playoff bid. Which that, like you said, that first week is going to be hard to get out of our head, but. They got to go to Cal, who's not very good. Colorado at Colorado, who's awful. Washington at yeah. home, that'll be a somewhat of a test. Then Utah at home, at Oregon State, and then they got to go to USC in a Pac-12 championship game, probably. Or I mean, it's yeah. all those games sound winnable to me. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, it looks like clearly they're the of the best team that I've seen um, in hmm. terms of putting a performance together. I haven't seen any team in the Pac-12 put something like that together. And like you said, you know, this might just be that early season loss might be just a reflection of new coaching staff, new quarterback, new everything. Um, but it, that is 
present an in- interesting situation if Oregon wins out. Their only loss is to number one Georgia right. um, and their Pac-12 champs. You know, Hard to keep, keep that team out? out, right? If you believe in the rankings, yeah. like their only loss is to the best team in the country. So they have the best loss in the country. Yep. Yep. And they say uh, margin of victory does not matter. So well, <laughs> they act like it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that, but we can pretend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can, we can, we can say that's the case. Um, the other kind of intriguing, uh, intriguing matchup this weekend is what to make of TCU. Um, they keep getting down in these games, um, and they keep coming back and winning them. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, I don't know if it just takes a little bit of time for those track stars to get warmed up, but it's, it just looks like oftentimes you're seeing two completely different teams on the field. Like it's like they hit an on switch and they just go into like, into like cruise control, um, in these games, but they, they struggle early consistently. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, you know, I talked to, I talked to somebody who, who works at PCU, who worked at Ohio state with us. And it's just like, they, they can't put a full game together, but once once yeah. once it clicks, once they figure it out, they're just pure dominance, right? They, I mean, they came out in the second mm-hmm. half, and Kansas State didn't score a point. They, I mean, the defense locked the shit down. They big plays on offense, scored a bunch of touchdowns, and you're like, and you know, I bet on it. So at the, at halftime, I'm like, what? I, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> then they come out the second half, and I'm like, oh, okay, good. That's that's why I thought they yeah. were. It's like, and you know yeah. what? It's college football. That happens. We were just saying the same thing mm-hmm. about Ohio State, who we think is the best team in the country. So I, in my opinion, you get a pass, especially as a year goes on. And, and everyone knows you. Once you get down the home stretch, you got to play your best football to win it all. And so we'll see if they can actually do that when they get to a, 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 a Big 12 championship game. And if they, if they are undefeated and make the playoffs, if they can do that against a national elite like a Georgia, you know, we'll see if they can do that. But they're showing that they have the resiliency to when things aren't going well, they 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 get things in line and then they just start cooking. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to watch, and they do look like, you know, if they're undefeated, they're they look worthy of a playoff spot. It's a tough schedule, whatever you want to make of the Big Twelve. They go undefeated, Big Twelve champions. Um, they probably have earned a playoff spot, and if they don't get one, um, there'll probably be a lot of uproar around that. There will, um, and you know that the, as well. The Big Twelve is right now the third best conference in college football. I mean, you're watching the Pac-12, mm-hmm. you're watching the ACC. I mean, it's it's definitely SEC one, uh, Big Ten two. I almost said Ohio State because that's essentially what the Big Ten is. But um, the Big yeah. the Big Ten is two, specifically with the West being so down this year, and then the Big Twelve's three. And, and so, if they are undefeated champs, they absolutely should make it. Yeah. Yeah, well, the game we didn't know what to make of um, was was Syracuse Clemson, and uh, it became a game um, full of intrigue as always. Quarterback gets benched. Um, I don't know what to make of Clemson. Like it seems like they definitely should be leapfrogged by like a TCU, yeah, uh, or Oregon at this point in the season because. We're consistently seeing inconsistent performances from them. The defense has looked really dominant at times, but they don't look like a top five team. No, they don't. And and, I mean, you're always going to have a hard time convincing me that a team has a chance to win it all when quarterback play and offensive, you know, firepower has been as as dull as Clemson has been. I mean, shoot, they benched DJ Uyunglele. I mean, it's he's supposed to be their Heisman type of guy, and they benched him and brought in the five star freshman. And, and you know, 
the defense was really the story, right? Syracuse is up 21 to 10 at half, and the, and the defense just blanked them, just shut them down. Yeah. So no points in the second half. Clemson still couldn't score. They, they took 17 points in the fourth quarter with your backup quarterback to come back and beat Syracuse. Like They have been and are fraudulent, and they're not going to win the national championship. You know, The ACC might just be bad enough for them to sneak in the playoffs unless they lose to a North Carolina team in the ACC championship game, but I, I, they're just not it. They're just not. Yeah, I just don't see how if you have, you know, two SEC teams, Ohio State kind of guaranteed into the into a situation, you know, how you overlook an undefeated TCU for an undefeated Clemson. I don't see how you can make the case for that. Well, the good news is I, I, for, for TCU and Clemson, is there's only going to be one undefeated team coming out of the Big Ten. And there's pro- I mean, there's only going to be yeah. one undefeated team coming out of the SEC. So, it's, yeah. I, I mean, I really think it's going to be big. It, it's going to be what it, what it kind of was designed to be, right? Big 12 champ, Big yep. Ten champ, SEC champ, ACC champ, let's go play. And the Pac-12 sitting yeah. over there like, ah, screw us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a fun weekend of games. Um, spe- there were no really major upsets, but they were good. Um, Good games, um, an exciting weekend of college football. Looking forward, obviously, um, after what we saw Michigan do to Penn State, um, I don't know if this is as intriguing of a matchup as it was three weeks ago, um, but it's still Penn State, right? Mm-hmm. And we've got to go in um, and we've got to win this game uh, against a team that at times, and a coaching staff, despite the criticism, of Franklin, they've given us some competitive games in certain years when we weren't expecting oh, yeah. games to be as competitive. What do you see going into this matchup? Do you see it as as much of a test, or is it just that they're we're going to run through them? I mean, I, I think Ohio State should. You know, if Ohio State plays like they did against Iowa, this is going to be a ball game, and they could honestly lose. But I, I don't foresee that happening. Um, I, I, I just broke down the Ohio or the Michigan Penn State game. And it was interesting to watch because Penn State has a good defense. And, it you know, you look at stats, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like that. Michigan gashed them for 400 yards rushing. But when you really watch them in the run game, their run defense was good outside of like eight, you know, seven, eight plays, which I know they, those plays matter. But they, you know, had a, a guy misaligned, a guy in the wrong gap. And Michigan's very explosive in the run game. The two running backs they have and J.J. McCarthy, for that matter, mm-hmm. are extremely good runners. And so you give a guy like that a crease, he's going to take it 50 or 40 or, you know, and all of a sudden, that number inflates really fast. It's like, oh, they gave up 400 yards. It's like, yeah, you take out the 200 yards on those eight plays, they only gave up 200 yards rushing on like 50 attempts. So the defense is deceivingly going to be better than, it, than you would think based on rankings and things like that. Mm-hmm. The problem with them is just is their offensive line's not any good, and Sean Clifford is, is not very good. And so <laughs> it's going to be, I think it's going to be another- the big red dog. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Clifford over there. And, he, funny, funny side note. He's, a, I think, one of the only players in college football that's on a roster still from when I coached, and um, he's that's how long he's been at Penn State. I think he's like sixth year starter, <laughs> which is crazy. COVID. I mean, there's all these thirty year olds running around now because of COVID. Yeah. Teams of college football, um, but I, he's just not very good, and the offensive line's not very good. I think that Jim Knowles' defense is going to be dominant again. Um, I like Parker Washington, their one receiver, a little bit. I mean, he's a good player. He's nothing that. With 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 Ohio State's corner woes, it might be a little problematic if Sean Clifford can even get him the ball. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not worried about this game just because of that mismatch on defense. I don't I don't know how they score any points, 
And so as, yeah. if offense plays well, it's going to be a really, really, you know, handedly win. If they don't, they'll still win, but it will be closer. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for for Ohio State at, at this point in the season, once they get through this game, is staying healthy mm-hmm. um, through the Michigan game. And speaking of health, um, you know, JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jack Bob made his comeback this past week, but he did not look healthy. Um, it seems, you know, when you're when you're an elite player uh, like this, um, who's going to be a first round draft pick. Um, what would you kind of recommend in this situation? I feel like with the way the team is playing, just let him rest. And if he's able to come back for the playoffs, um, come back for the playoffs. But he does not look like he's that hamstring is fully healthy. No, and I think it's a process. I mean, you know, this this kid's doing rehab, and part of rehab is running, right? Part of rehab is yeah. testing the hamstring and strengthening the hamstring. And so I don't have a problem with him playing. I don't. I don't think he... He certainly doesn't have the same twitch and burst that he that he had had last year, but I mean, this kid's practicing. CJ's throwing the ball. It's almost like he needs to reprogram yeah. J, who JSN is on some of these throws because he's just not a hundred percent yet. But it's part of the process. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, I thought he kind of came off gimpy after I watched the film. He wasn't. He, it was just kind of he might it might have tightened up a bit, but then it they yeah, just, probably they, tightened up. Yeah, they killed it. They killed it and pulled him out, and they're like, "You're done," and that's what you should do. And now then they rehab it all day Sunday and Monday, and he'll probably he'll practice Tuesday. Wednesday and he'll probably play this week you know he might be on a pitch count and it's one of those things it's so fluid like how does it feel is it tight is there any pain like it's constant conversations with trainers and he could play 10 plays he could play 30 plays we don't know but I think the more they can push him while monitoring him to make sure he doesn't re-injure it the better it is in the long run because you just don't want him to come in the Michigan game or come in the playoffs having zero reps really this year and it's like all right is he going to be game ready and that's a pretty big stage like you'd like him to knock the rust off you know, against Indiana yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the truth is that when we get to the elite teams, we're going to need him, mm-hmm. um, and and hopefully we can get him healthy by then. And also, we've had some injury concerns in the backfield as well with yeah. with the running backs. So it's just that's really what is the most concerning thing for me as I look at the remaining schedule going into Michigan. It's just like. Can we stay healthy and can we continue to maintain uh, the level of intensity that we've we've had over the last couple of weeks? That's it. It's just keep leveling up. I mean, fix the things that went wrong. Coach, teach, develop. I mean, th- this is the grind, right? You get just right now. It's all about getting in November. Like if they, and this is the last game. If they can get out of October undefeated, now you're in championship mode. You're you're you see that home stretch of the of the 400 meter. You got that last hundred left. Just just win these last couple games and then obviously beat your rival. And you're standing there with all your dreams right in front of you. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's you know, I'm, there's not too much to to dig into. I was expecting a little bit more um, for us to have to talk about with Penn State, but I don't think that there's you know a whole lot <laughs> to, to 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 discuss other than this is Penn State. You always have to take Penn State seriously and make sure you get out of there with a win. Yeah, and it's um, it's, on, it's on the road. I've I've heard a lot of conversation about oh, it's not a wide out. It's like, just so people know, Penn State during the day is still really loud. Like, I know the whiteout yeah. is insane, but it's not like they're just going to go play in the backyard now. I mean, it's a pretty intense yeah. environment at noon or 3.30. Yeah. Like, I think people get lost in that, that the whiteout is so good that, like, all the other games, it's awful. Like, it's still a really good yeah. environment. <laughs> it, it is, it is going to be a really good environment. And then, you know, 
couple other topics that are, you know, Ohio State college football related. Um, I don't know if you caught the Monday night game, but it was like, we talked about this last week. It's like, design the offense for the talent that you have. And all of the kind of hate that was happening of Justin Fields being a bust. Over the last three weeks, this kid, once they've put him in a system and created an offense that plays to his strengths and also masks some of the weaknesses of the skill position on the team, you're starting to see that talent um, that we saw at Ohio State come out. I think he has like uh, a 91 QBR over the last three weeks, um, really playing lights out. But I just thought it was an interesting case study. And then what he did against New England, Bill Belichick, prepares teams very well. The the defense of the Patriots said they didn't have an answer for Justin Fields. Um, but it's just interesting to see, okay, we're all like, okay, why don't you just design the offense to play to this kid's strengths? Clearly. Wow, I mean, they actually did it. <laughs> this is a wild storyline and just, just kind of credit to him for the, the performance because if, if anyone, and I shit, I did it. I lost $3,000. I mean, I had a parlay. It was only a, I think a, I forget how much it was, $200. Uh, maybe it was more than that. It might have been $600 parlay. And um, it was a five-team parlay, and the last leg was that game. And it's like, if, if you had asked anyone in the country, right, Chicago Bears and Justin Fields and that ineptitude is going into Foxborough with bad weather and Bill Belichick, who's going to win? 100 people out of yeah. 100 would have said New England. I mean, no one thinks, mm-hmm. you know, not even a knock on Justin Fields, but like he has no skill yeah. around him. They've been awful. Yeah. And on and in weather and against Belichick, like no way. And of course, he he showed, like you said, that the offense was better suited for him. I mean, he ran the hell out of the ball. I think he had like seventy some or eighty yards rushing, and then he yeah. threw for two hundred some yards. I mean, he he played outstanding. And you're finally looking at it like that's the kid I thought I thought I knew. Like yeah, and and it's just I really hope that this off season is an acquisition off season to try to help him out because. I know Justin Fields can win games in the NFL doing what he did on Monday. I don't think he can win games for 10 years doing that. Like, that, that's just not. not a, no, physically, he can't handle no, it. No, no one no. can. And it's like, we well, get the yeah. from help so he doesn't have to just go full on Captain America and just go crazy on everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like this is a, a NFC kind of North uh, <laughs> conundrum because for whatever reason, the Green Bay Packers don't want to do it for Aaron Rodgers either. So. Right. Crazy. Um, just an interesting, interesting time overall. It was also good, like, Buckeyes in the NFL to kind of see Zeke reassert his dominance as well. He's mm-hmm. playing really well. Um, and overall, our Ohio, the Ohio State guys are, are – Performing fairly well at the NFL level too. Um, yeah, you get, we, really and we have to shout see. out Paris Campbell because Paris Campbell the last two weeks has shown why he was a first round pick. We know he's dealt with injuries since he got in the league, but I mean he has two touchdowns, like almost 200 yards receiving in the last two games combined. And it's just like you, you one. I mean, you know V uh, as well as I do. One of the most phenomenal kids in the world, and so yeah. you know, not that not that if a kid's kind of a shitbag, I don't want him to do well. But Paris is like a one a the best character kid you could ever have. So like him to go through those struggles and now achieve success it's like just you love to see it and add his name to yeah. that list of players they're talking about yeah definitely definitely he was a popular ad it was nice to see him on all of the fantasy football chatter this week oh yeah um we knew what the skill set is and again it's the same thing if you're going to draft paris campbell you watch his film at ohio state make sure you implement some pl- some plays that play to his strengths and if you do so he'll shine Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think uh, 
It's going to be interesting. They made a QB change there uh, as well, but you know the Colts are looking better. The run game is there. If if Paris can come in and be that be that st- strong second option and stay healthy, he's got a chance to have a really good season the rest mm-hmm. of the way. For sure. Um. Well, you know, there's not there. What are some other matchups we we this weekend uh, that you're that you're looking at beyond Ohio State? Well, I and think the, the, the biggest the biggest game of the weekend, obviously, Ohio State Penn State will be a big game, and the other game that that I think is you know could be big is Kentucky going into to Neyland Stadium at Tennessee because Tennessee has Georgia next week. Kentucky's art Kentucky already has two losses, and I don't think they're overlooking Kentucky by any means. I, they, they know what Kentucky is. They have a first round draft pick quarterback. I don't think they're saying Kentucky stinks. I mean they're the, a top twenty team, but that's a game I want to watch out for. The way Bama threw the ball yeah. on on Tennessee secondary, Kentucky has a good quarterback. They have skill in the perimeter. I think that could be an interesting one and and one that. I'm. I don't. I'm not calling it an upset, but it's on upset alert. Like you just got to circle that yeah. one and say, I don't know. Tennessee got this. They're they're all of a sudden they're this big fish, and and they might forget about this little fish coming to town. That's one yeah. I'm interested in. The other, the other team I'm interested in V is wild is South Carolina. They're sitting at yeah. five, they're sitting at five and two once again. Like Shane Beamer, goofy as he is, he had a good year last year in year one. Now they're sitting at five and two. They play. Um, Missouri this week and Vanderbilt next week, very likely two wins. And then you're looking at South Carolina seven and two, and probably a top fifteen team. <laughs> like, what is going yeah, on? We're gonna have to hear. We're gonna have to hear part to bring back Spencer Rattler every. There's week. no yes. doubt. I'm glad he's not here. <laughs> I wasn't even gonna bring it up if he was on, so I'm glad he's not. Here. <laughs> but it is interesting to see that, and just you know, the the, the other storyline here that obviously has been beaten to death is what's happening at Texas A&M. Like, it's fine, you know, to struggle a little bit. You know you're transitioning. You just have this recruiting class come in. But you hire a national champion coach, um, pay him a whole bunch of money. This isn't what you're looking to get in return. No, absolutely not. I mean, you, you're, I was looking at their schedule. I mean, they're 3-4 and four right now. They got number 15 Ole Miss this week, so that could go to 3-5. and five. I mean, LSU at the end of the year, that's that's a sixth loss. You know, by all accounts, they should lose those two games. That's six losses. If he loses to Florida or Auburn, you're like looking at a non-bowl eligible five and seven team with a $90 million head coach. By the way, <laughs> the number one recruiting class ever bought and paid for with NIL money is on campus. At that point, yeah. I mean, I've said it all year and people have called me crazy because of the buyout. I'm just telling you, if he does not make a bowl game this year with the amount of money they spent on NIL and the contract he got, they will raise that money straight out of the oil fields, $90 million, pay him off, get him out of town, and hire Urban Meyer. It will happen. Yeah, and it, the same thing will happen with Texas next year if Steve Sarkisian doesn't win. Yep. These, these schools, I mean, they, they spend the money to make sure they have what they need, and they don't have the patience to wait. So. Yeah. It's like it's like anything else. Like if I'm volunteering to work for your company, like you're probably not going to fire me, right? Now, if you're paying yeah. me a million dollar salary and I'm not producing, you're like, what are we paying this guy for? Get him out of here. <laughs> it's yeah. comes with the price tag. <laughs> and a lot of these coaches at these programs, I think, when they see the their buyouts, they're probably like, this probably beats coaching and dealing with these boosters. T- <laughs> I people don't realize it. I'm telling you, Tom Herman used to say it to me all the time, and and I I didn't disagree with him. Um, but I just talked to an SEC position coach this weekend. 
talking about his career yeah. and where, where he's going. He was like, man, I just, I want to get a, I want to get a job. I want to get a head job and I want to do really well and get that power five job. And then I don't care what happens. I'm set for life. <laughs> and I'm like, that's how yeah. every coach thinks. Like they're going to try still, but if it doesn't go well, yeah. who cares? You hit the lottery. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's reflecting on, on the level of competition in college football, right? So no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. But you know, on that note, um, it's it's not a super busy weekend, super you know. But usually these weekends are the weekends that we start to see right some chaos happen. So uh, it happened a couple. Definitely stay tuned. It happened a couple weeks ago. There was a weekend where it was like, yeah, there's just not that many great games. And and I remember waking up Monday to do my show, and I was like, that was the wildest weekend of college football I've ever watched. <laughs> like it, these weekends, sometimes you know they they shock you at what happened. Yeah, they do. They do. And so, you know, that, that, that closes another episode of the College Football Connection. Um, if you are out there on looking for, for betting tips, make sure you check Zach out. Um, not just his podcast, but uh, he makes some great, great picks here uh, and has been doing well. So bet on those games. Go to Zach. There you go. Get you right. <laughs> <laughs> Great having you as always, man. Looking forward to uh, talking again next week. For sure. I appreciate it, V.